Lord God, bless our time together, that our faith may be deepened and our love for you and one another strengthened. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear friends in Christ, what a joy it is to be back and worshiping with you once again. I want to express my sincere gratitude uh, to Pastor Rico for allowing me this opportunity to witness to you. It's 27 years since I retired from being pastor, and during that time, Pastor Rico has carried out here just a magnificent ministry. So I want to say thanks and show my gratitude to him for all of that, not only to the ministry here, even to the ministry to my family. So thank you, brother. You've done a wonderful job. So now, uh, just by way of brief autobiographical comment, uh, on May 28th, I retired from being the interim senior pastor of King of Glory Lutheran Church in Williamsburg, Virginia. That was my sixth retirement. <laughs> I think this one's going to stick. <laughs> I had been interim senior pastor there before, and that's when we called Pastor Bill Harmon to be our pastor, and now you know he is your district president, which is how I got to serve a second time, and never in my life could I have imagined I would have been asked to do that. While I was doing that, uh, I celebrated my 90th birthday, and uh, so I think Mr. Guinness owes me at least a slight reference. Uh, <laughs> since not many people have had that opportunity. Well, enough of that. I came not to speak of myself, but of our Lord. So let's delve into the text for today. Geographically, it represents the northernmost part of Israel where the ministry is going to go, where Jesus will take his ministry. From here on, he will work south until he comes to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, as you know, his ministry will come to a climactic end. So it's the last year of his earthly life, and he decides he's going to conduct his own poll. So he says, what's the word on the street? What are people saying about me? And I, for a long time, maintain that we tend to see things not as they are, but as we are. So if you're Herod of the guilty conscience, you think Jesus is John the Baptist with a new head. And if you're looking for a Messiah that's going to rout the Romans and restore Israel to all of her glory, you're thinking he must be one of the firebrand prophets like Elijah. Or if you want just a word from God about deliverance like Moses gave to the children of Israel in Egypt, Perhaps you think he's Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But I think that this question was just to soften up the disciples, because the real question he wanted to ask them, since his ministry would soon be coming to an end with them, is, who do you say that I am? And good old motormouth Peter piped up. And he said, you are the Christ, that is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, I want to ask you a question. By this time in his ministry, to how many people had Jesus revealed himself as being the Messiah, the Christ, 
How many people? Anybody want to guess? No takers? All right, I'll tell you, one. Now, you tell me, was that a he or a she? Do I have any guessers? That's a she. Was she a Jewess or was she of a more Gentilish nature? She was a Samaritan. Boy, uh, Tom Goodridge is a plant here, I can tell that. <laughs> One person, a woman, a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. So now, after Peter says this, Jesus creates a beatitude just for Peter, the only person I know of for whom he ever created a beatitude. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And wow, can you imagine how Peter felt at that point? Eight feet tall, you know. He's going to be, well then Jesus names him. And I have to give you the name before I can tell you the rest of the story. So Jesus says, blessed are you Simon, son of Jonah, and so forth. Now there's no charge for this. You are Peter. And the word is Petras in Greek. And, and it means rock, okay? And upon this rock, and the word in Greek is Petra, I will build my church. Now the church is not being built on Peter, but on the confession of Peter. And Jesus says, I will build my church. That word church only occurs three times in the Gospels, and they're all here in Matthew. And the Greek word is ekklesia. It means to be called out from. You might wonder, how did I get in the church? You didn't just wander in. God called you in, through either through the word, the sacrament, the witness of a friend or family or something, but that's all God's doing. So now, Peter becomes the rock star. Blessed are you, Peter. His name means rock, right? And then right after uh, the gospel lesson for today, Jesus tells the disciples, we're going down to Jerusalem. And there the Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and they will abuse him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. And they all turned off their hearing aids. <laughs> but then Peter takes Jesus, now you want to see a rock star, fall into the atmosphere and disintegrate? Okay. So Peter takes Jesus and says, oh no, Lord, this can never happen to you. And Jesus then says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are not on the side of God, but on the side of human beings. Now, the gospel lesson for today has what we call a variant reading. No charge for that either. And uh, that means that there are good texts that say Jesus said one thing, and there are other good texts that say Jesus said something else. So let's take the good texts, first of all, that say, Jesus says, and upon your confession, I will build my church, and the gates of death shall not prevail against it. Now, death was the ultimate catastrophe and defeat in the minds of the disciples and the people of that time. 
I get a kick out of one of the psalmists even bargains with God. He says to God, God, it's in your best interest to heal me, not let me die, because if I die, who's going to praise you? Remember Peter the Rock, who said to Jesus, oh, I'll always be with you, I'll never betray you. And yet three times he denied Jesus, the last time saying, I don't even know who the man is. Why? Because he feared death. But now, Jesus, near the end of his ministry, begins to say things like, I am the resurrection and the life. If anyone dies who believes in me, that person shall live again. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then you remember what happened when his friend Lazarus died. He fooled around. Well, we shouldn't call it fooled around, but he, he waited and waited before he went up to Lazarus's house. So much so that by the time he got there and wanted to raise him, old pots and pans and Mary said, oh Lord, better not do that because it won't smell good. Remember that? But he did that. And then Lazarus didn't live far from Jerusalem. I'm sure some of the people from the temple had been to Lazarus's funeral. And then the next thing you know, they're getting an invitation to a dinner party at Lazarus's house. That sealed Jesus's doom. The church leader said, now we absolutely must get rid of him because Lazarus alive is living testimony to this man's power. So what a change there was in death. Now, I took it, let me, let me run through for you the difference between the life of a Christian and non-Christian. The life of the Christian, you're born, you live, you get old, you die. The life of the Christian, you're born, you die, and then you live. Because when you are baptized into Jesus Christ, you die with him. I call baptism a rite of incorporation. It places us into the corpus of Christ so intimately that everything that happened to his body, we can say happened to us. Paul argues in Romans 6, we died with him, we were buried with him, and we were raised with him. Now we go from life to life. So I look at the death of a Christian as being a spiritual metamorphosis, if you will. Somehow this perishable must put on the imperishable. This mortal must put on immortality. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, when that happens, then death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So now we go from life to life. Paul can say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Don't speak about the loss of a loved one. Speak about the gain of that loved one. All right, so Jesus says, the gates of death cannot prevail against my 
kingdom against my church. And it was even said in the early church that the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. People were willing to die for their faith now. But the other variant reading, it says that Jesus said that the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against my church. Now I'm gonna tell you a secret. I don't know why I had to get so old before I figured this one out. And you can share my secret with anybody you want to, but I wouldn't tell my pastor if I were you. Hell is not for sinners. Did you hear that? Hell is not for sinners. God took care of sin on the cross at Calvary. There's people who lived in sin all his life and he was dying for it. And he says, at the last moment of his life, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hell is for those who will not accept the goodness and grace of God given in Jesus Christ. Do you remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 10 with respect to his own people? He said, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but it is not enlightened for seeking to establish their own righteousness. They did not submit to the righteousness which God prepared for them, for Christ is the end of the law. The Greek word there is telos, like looking through a telescope, seeing a long way. When you look at the law, you should have seen, you can't do that, you need a savior. And that's why Christ took your flesh, your blood, your life, your sin upon himself when he died. So hell is not for sinners, but for those who reject the grace of God. Well, it's wonderful to worship with you today. And I want to send you home thinking two things. First of all, that by God's goodness and grace, you have life which is everlasting. And that your sin has been washed away in the blood of Jesus. Now go out and share that good news with everyone you meet, with your family, with your friends, with your neighbors, because God loved the whole world so much that he sent a beloved son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have life everlasting. And one other thing in closing, the words of Peter remind me so much of the way that John closed his gospel. John said at the end of his gospel, now Jesus did many other things which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you may have life through his name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.